0: Welcome to the Jungle Auburn podcast. We're coming off a 26-point victory over the North Alabama Lions. Uh, Stephen Pearl joins a very elite group with Wes Flanagan as the most winning percentage coaches in Auburn history. Uh, It's nice to see those two guys get honored, and uh, it was a rough start and uh, kind of a slog of a game at times, but we came out on top, and the score at the end looks like the kind of score we thought we would have. Uh, Matt, uh, who's your MVP?
1: Man, tough one. I, there's two candidates in my mind. Uh, you know what? I'm, I'm doing it. Devin Cambridge. Is no! My <laughs> I'm doing it. You're going to say Kessler, and we can talk about both of them. Cambridge, uh, I just have to – he's never been a very efficient offensive player, and this is two straight games where he's not forcing shots. He's making shots. He was four or five, hit both his threes, two for three from the free throw line, and then just continues to have these. He almost had two. He got a great breakaway dunk, but he almost had two putback dunks that would have been like Chris Porter level Auburn history dunks tonight. It just continues to amaze me. I think he's maturing, getting better on the defensive end, and um, on a night where a lot of guys struggled and we just looked out of sync, Devin Cambridge looked pretty at ease and did his
0: thing, and we needed it. Well, Cambridge uh, reshared one of our stories today on Instagram. I posted, there's a funny picture of him dunking on a child's goal for Toy for Tots. And I put underneath him uh, Justin Powell saying, ah, I'm getting dunked on. And he thought that was funny and reposted it, which I love that uh, clearly the players are as upset with Justin Powell as the fans are. So we're hoping we see something good out of that. So I can give him that. That gives him like some props there. But it's got to be Kessler. Kessler made the difference in the game. Sure, Cambridge had the same amount of points and had some flashy plays, but it's the same thing with Cambridge the whole time, that he does the alley-oops and hits some threes every once in a while, but he's not, like, leading the team in any way or actually making the difference in the game. He can, like, look spectacular against mediocre opponents. But this game was a slog. If you look at the score at the end, you would think, oh, we just blew him out like we were supposed to. They only scored 44 points. But, man, it was tight at one point. They were staying in the game. It's the thing too worried about. These teams, I put is one of my pregame notes. Can you put them away early? Because it seems like some of these little teams, if you let them get confident, all of a sudden they start making plays they never would have made if you let them get rattled at the beginning. So you got to do Kessler because at one point we just could not seem to get the ball on the goal. We looked really uh, just unorganized. We looked unconfident. You kind of get this weird murmur in the crowd almost when games are like this, where people are. You can tell the players are frustrated. The fans are frustrated. It's just not a good feeling. And you can tell the other teams kind of growing in confidence. There was a play there that really started being like, oh no, this is one of those moments. Like there was never a real bad moment. We never actually went behind or anything in North Alabama, but it got to maybe two or three points at one point at the end of the half. And there was a moment early in the second half where we didn't jump on them like I hoped we would. And Jabari actually got blocked at the goal. And I said, oh no, this is the kind of stuff where they start making plays that you don't think they can make, but they start getting the confidence. But luckily Kessler, my MVP, came in and just started abusing them, or maybe not abusing them, but started getting those hard points that we really missed with Flanagan, in my opinion, that we just couldn't seem to drive the ball when we couldn't hit the threes, we couldn't drive it either. And Kessler went in there and made some really tough plays, kept the ball up high, kept had a couple of weird plays where he like kept the ball a lot longer than I would have thought you could. But I guess against smaller guys, he could really hold on to it. Yunk the ball once or twice, made some really nifty moves, did one move where he started the three-point line and did kind of a spin and then a really long arm hook that only a guy like Kessler can make. And he did this all when we were in that moment where we weren't sure if we could really lose this game or not. We were really like, wow, somebody's got to step up. Jabari was struggling at times to make some of his shots. We didn't have anybody that could drove. KD had a disaster game, but Kessler came in and had a moment, I think, where he scored, went and got a block, went back, scored again. And that was kind of where the dams started opening up a little bit before that big uh, – it wasn't like a moment, but there was a big kind of like dams are breaking, we're running up and down and scoring all the time. And it kind of started around the time that Kessler went and got those tough points for us.
1: It did. I'm fine with Kessler being the this game's official MVP. Uh, my only thing with Kessler. It
0: split. It split. You chose Matt. You chose your guy. I did.
1: Um, I. The only thing with Kessler, it was great to see him make some offensive moves. It was great. Like you said, much more under control, much more assertive. I just, you know, it, I, he should do that against <laughs> against North Alabama. They they didn't have any height. Um, and he did. And, and it was good to see him put together three straight baskets, like you said, to kind of kick off that run. And and the eight rebounds were important, um, six for eight shooting. He hit a couple free throws, which was nice to see after he got – to me, maybe the most impressive thing of the day for Kessler was, uh, man, he got clocked with an elbow, like right in the face, and he was like totally fine. Came back, hit both free throws, didn't even leave the game. That,
0: that was a – It was free throws a- make, make all the difference because he missed a one and one at one point that was yep. uh, a little brutal. I think it was at the beginning of the second half. When and they went down and made two one like made both their shots and kept the game close and it's one of those things with Kessler's free throw games, not great but neither is anybody else that size typically so like it changes the game altogether he got 14 points eight rebounds but 12 points eight rebounds just a little different make those free throws make that two that one and one he could add 16 points it would have looked the optics are a little different uh, but he had a but great I, game
1: any day that. Kessler leads us in scoring, though. I mean that that's that's nice to see, especially on a. Again, we've we've talked about this. This happens in basketball. I think Bruce, from his quotes yesterday, was concerned about this team. North Alabama had won five straight games by an average of thirty points apiece, and they were playing. And you could tell Auburn jumped up ten points early, and then they kind of went cold, and and North Alabama got really confident there for a little bit, which can happen in college basketball. So it was kind of an ugly. Slog is a good way to put it. Um, for a weeknight at 8 p.m. Central on a Tuesday night,
0: it won't be. It won't be a big. It won't be a 26.1 you want to rewatch. Honestly, like I I mean, if you're if you're like, like maybe like this week, sure. But like in in the coming years or whatever, this will this will be one that would be brutal to watch. Just not good basketball around pretty much for most of this game. Well,
1: what Um, about what about Jabari? Like you said, it wasn't. I mean, he was four for 15. Uh, He missed a lot of shots. I I had a question in the pregame thoughts about how is anybody from North Alabama going to guard Jabari Smith? Well, apparently pretty well, they blocked him twice. He, he, this was his quietest game in a long time. He still had a double double.
0: So he's, I mean, you, obviously he's an incredible player, but obviously not the dominant Uh, night. I didn't realize he had a double double. I was looking because I was upset that uh, Kessler had eight rebounds. He also, Kessler also had five blocks. I can't believe we talked all of that about Kessler and forgot to talk yeah. about how amazing his blocks were. He just knows where to be. And sure he's seven one, but they talked about on the broadcast that he just, there's something about it. he knows where to be at all times. And it's maybe it's like a basketball IQ kind of situation. I don't know, but it's, it is getting really impressive. And this team is smaller, but he, he does, he just knows where to put his hands. He doesn't get the foul calls, which is great. It'll be curious to see an sec play against better people if he starts getting foul calls on him or not. But right now I'm, the whole team really with blocks has been pretty impressive. Jabari had two, Caldwell had three. He had some uh, great red plays, but I think the biggest thing, you know, Jabari, yeah, he struggled. That was part of it. He's, I was like saying online, saying to Matt, a couple other people, when's he going to start getting the Zion treatment, the Cade Cunningham treatment, the big ESPN treatment. Well, he's not going to get it if he's playing like this. I, you know, it's okay if you're not hitting all your shots, but you got to go to drive the ball and that's not happening or one or the other, if you're going to be, one of those guys. Now he's super great. He's going to be a top three pick. You just, you hate to see it on a play like this. But the biggest other storyline in the game, in my opinion, I'm pretty sure it's Matt's too, is how terrible KD played. Absolute disaster game for him. All the things we were worried about with KD really showed up in this game.
1: Well, first of all, I can confirm live on the podcast that Alabama just lost by 14 to Memphis. We don't like hey. it for Memphis. But, uh, hey.
0: Live updates. What a Alabama, what a strange team, man. I want them to be so bad, but they've got some. You gotta admit, they've got some good wins, but man, they got some bad w- losses too. Memphis is not good. Memphis They're lost really to Georgia and all this, Ole Miss, right? Memphis has lost to several teams this year. They have been a disaster. Like people are talking about firing Penny Hardaway. And how bad he's been! Thank God, because he's been terrible. I mean, maybe keep him around because of how bad he's been. But he keeps stealing recruits from us. Anyway, but, yeah, sorry. just went down. Sorry, just had to get
1: that out there. Uh, Alabama is the only team ranked ahead of Auburn in the SEC right now. And for now, for, for now, now, we'll see. <laughs> we got it. We got a tough road test of our own going to St. Louis on Saturday. Maybe we'll talk about that here in a minute. But KD, yeah, like. Uh, I had been waiting for this kind of game and you started to see it the last few games. He's, his shooting percentages have been way down. Um, Today was the first day where I was just shocked how easily North Alabama players were driving past him like consistently. And I don't know how much of that was just him being frustrated by his lack of offensive effectiveness, but that's the thing. When you, when you play at that like intense level emotionally and mentally all the time like what happens when everything goes wrong and today it was part some weird calls part some unfortunate bounces maybe for him like you have to be able to handle that and he was more of a liability defensively than I've seen and again I I don't want us to overreact to this it's one game if he starts if this starts becoming a trend we'll we'll keep an eye on it but um, it was it was eye-opening and I think that shot selection we talked about and we were concerned about it. You saw it tonight. Like, there were some really bad shots when the game was in
0: doubt. This will be a big one to see. It almost might be a good thing if he takes it the right way, if Bruce can frame this the correct way. Because Flanagan should be coming back soon. We talked about We wondered when planning comes back, if KD can take that back seat a little bit and just make some plays that come to him. To see a game like this, to go so bad. Maybe it's a good thing for the ego, for KD to be like, This is not my team. I got to be a team guy. Like, what a bad night. It'll be kind of a thing that if if KD just kept going off the way he did, one, then good, keep going off forever. But if he kept going off, like, even if he just had a couple good plays this game to go on top of all the bad plays, it'd be hard for Bruce to point to anything. It'd be hard to tell KD to slow up. But after this game, it's going to be easy to tell him to slow up, that this was a disaster. He had one extremely bad play that was upsetting that, like, really, like, told the game where we really were clearly coming out of the half, concentrating on driving the ball, taking good shots near the, uh, like getting layups and dunks and things like that. And he went out there pretty early on and took a contested three, a three where he's been doing this a couple of times recently. He's at the three point line. His guy's pretty close pump fakes, takes it anyways. He did that and made them a couple of times in that tournament. It was amazing, but he's been missing them recently. And that time, even the announcers talked about it. Stephen Pearl and the coaching staff, like, hung their heads and were very upset. And he got benched for a while after that. And then he came back in later, still didn't make any plays. Yep. That three-pointer, when clearly the team's effort was to not do plays like that, was really telling that he would still do that. Right. And, again, you know,
1: yeah, I, I knew this was coming. I think everybody did. I mean, when, when you – he has been so much better than I think a lot of us expected – uh, so far this season. Like he, he's earned that, that those games don't go away. I think his, he is still an energy offensive, ex, offensively explosive player that this team needs um, to play an important role on this team. He's still starter. He's going to,
0: he's, he's one of our best players um, he, he still played way better than I expected him to play. And it's going to be a star at times. And yep. sure. We're going to pick on this a little bit because we praised him so hard for the first right. couple of weeks that we have to talk about how, when it goes badly, the other way, especially when it's something that we were worried about. So but it, yeah, it could it's be one the- game. We hope it's just one game. We'll be watching to see the, the attitude that goes with it. Because a lot of how great this team is, is going to be how well they gel and how great these different egos go together. Cause there's a lot of great players on this team that could be stars on different teams that are less good. Uh, I thought we'd talk about a uh, pregame notes real quick. We wanted to keep yep. this podcast a little shorter, uh, you know, after a blowout like that and, We have lives also, (laughs) but uh, here's, okay. we got a little more time left than I thought. Uh, Matt's pregame notes. uh, Will Steven Pearl be less animated as a head coach? He was, uh, he was less animated. Uh, Again, uh, if you go
1: back and watch old Auburn games that have been like really good, just always pay attention to Stephen Pearl on the sideline. He will get morally offended when guys make uh, any sort of defensive mistake or anything like that. I thought it was kind of weird. He, he kind of loosened up in the second half a little bit. First half, I thought he kind of had the professional coach look on. And it to me, it was a noticeable difference between – Wes Flanagan has been a head coach before, and I think you could kind of tell. It's a small thing. It doesn't matter for the game. But it was interesting that Steven
0: was a little uh, – I, I feel like there was, was a little of a- bit of a claiming up a little bit when yeah. things were getting yeah. tight, And yep. you know, I just felt like you would have seen Bruce out there yelling a little more and you worried when it was close to halftime if Stephen could, could command the locker room the way Bruce does. If we really, especially if we had gone down before halftime or something, yeah. you know Bruce owns everyone in that locker room, and they respect the hell out of him, and he could yell at them and berate them, and they would take that as, like, things they need to know, things that they need to work on. Steven, on the other hand, I don't know what their relationship is with the players. I think – I'm sure they respect him. I'm sure they – I'm sure it's just as good as Bruce, but there still could be an element there where he's a younger guy, and if you're trying to play a role on the team and your dad's the – a hothead guy that's going to yell so if you might be trying to be the more brotherly kind of thing and then when you have to switch that role to being a head coach and being angry in the locker room and maybe players think of you more of as a, a brotherly kind of guy like a in, like me and matt both worked in churches like a youth minister versus an intern when all of a sudden you have to like switch that gear it might not quite be there I'm like you think it would be but overall it worked out i put Stephen pearl also on my pre-game notes i said just having Stephen Pearl and West again coaching actually help keep us motivated in the games we expect to win. I think it felt like that in the Nebraska game that like these, these players wanted to win for West Flanagan, Stephen Pearl. It came out clammy tonight. You kind I kind of was hoping the same energy as the Nebraska game would be in this one where it's kind of like, we want to win for our guy. You don't know if that's because of Stephen or not. You don't know if that's because whatever reason it's mid Tuesday game after a big game before. So I don't blame it on that, but I, I definitely think as of my note, it didn't quite reach the expectations that I hoped. We did start seven, nothing.
1: I mean, we, we came out locked in defensively. One of my favorite things with this team this year, they've had multiple games where they've like had a shutout for like four or five minutes and they play like crazy (laughs) uh, until they give up a basket just by, but I like that competitive spirit, but. And
0: we kept them to to 44 and that's another big thing, just like that USF game and a bunch of other games. You play really good defense. You can get through these bad stretches. And we had some pretty bad stretches in this game. And because we played such good defense, they never could take advantage of us. They never went up on us at any time. This game never – sure, it felt at times that things could go wrong, but it never felt like they would go wrong.
1: Yep. What else you got, pregame thoughts?
0: What Matt, Matt has – can Auburn put together a big run in the first half to take a significant lead and get control of the game early? I also had – can we jump on an inferior opponent early and avoid giving them confidence? Because that's the kind of stuff these players. You want to rattle them immediately, and then you can kind of rest the rest of the game. But if you let them stay in too long, it gets brutal out there.
1: Well, and it, it just goes to show you, basketball is such a game of runs, right? Like Auburn got up double digits very early. I mean, they they kind of asserted themselves a little bit. And then, you know, you go cold. You you make a few poor decisions. They hit a couple shots. Momentum really shifts. But you But the second half, I mean – you can call it a circus or uh, we had about a five or seven minute stretch in the second half where it was just bonkers. I mean, we were the, the depth, the athleticism, all the things we've talked about this year um, just really showed up. So I'm glad we had that. Obviously you'd love to have that earlier, but I think we have been a little spoiled with honestly the margin in these games. Like just don't forget a couple of years ago, three years, even some of our good teams, like, it's rare to be winning by double digits all the time. And that's kind of what's happened with this team outside the UConn game.
0: The very talented, I told Matt, uh, and for the younger fans, I'm sure other people know about these, the flying tigers in the late nineties. There's a great video. If you want to go back and watch it on YouTube of a late nineties team, I don't know if it was 99 with Chris Porter and all of them, but they go up on Ole Miss like 20 to zero or something with alley-oops and crazy dunks and just, Amazing plays, and they're called the Flying Tigers. You can just feel the excitement, and beer, old beard eves. And I told Matt, this team has a little bit of that in them. At any mm-hmm. moment, this team can just go Flying Tigers, Harlem Globetrotters, Monstars, whatever you want to call it. When the dams break, it gets ugly out there. We started making some crazy plays. Like It happened in this game. As much as this game was so ugly, with about 10 minutes, seven minutes left or something like that, midway through the second half, I guess, the dams just broke, and we started running nonstop on them. They couldn't get close to the basket. We were stealing the ball. We were running. Uh, Cardwell went up and did a reverse dunk on a – he would had two or three already, where they tried to throw it up to him, and it was too far, and he had to, like, jump from out of bounds to throw it back in. And finally they hit it, and he hit that reverse dunk. And then another time he tried to hit an alley-oop, and it went out. And then Wendell hit the three which goes back to our conversation of what's bigger, the Wendell logo threes or the Cambridge dunks. And we got okay. to see both back-to-back back again. When the dames <laughs> break, they dam- they break all the way. Uh, your other note is, how in the world is UNA going to guard Javari Smith?
1: Apparently better than anybody this year. Because um, that's – kind. Of, I mean, you know, how much of that was them guarding? How much of that was just an off-shooting night? I mean, he still was 40% from three, two for five, and three for four at the free throw line. Just missed – Missed a lot of two points. They did challenge him, though. And I thought they did a really good job of um, denying him the ball. But my most frustrating point in this game was when the game was close late in the first half and UNA had all that momentum, there were like three or four consecutive possessions where Stephen Pearl was clearly trying to get the ball to Jabari Smith inside and just get him the ball. And I forget. I want to say almost all the guards who were in the game had an opportunity to throw it. Just he's 6'10" throw it up there, he'll get it. And none of them either had the angle or the confidence or whatever. He didn't get the ball for three or four possessions. We didn't score on any of those possessions. And
0: we were having a really the, hard time getting the getting the ball into drives, getting the ball down low. And I guess, like, it came out in the second half we fixed it. But you're right. We could have stopped this, this like, uh, run by UNA a lot earlier if we could have mm-hmm. gotten the ball to Jabari down there. Yeah, I do want to point out um, – but are there any more notes? sorry yeah the, the last one is uh, for me was is everyone healthy Caldwell and Chris Moore and uh, that's because Chris Moore had the flu last game and we were worried that it was see if he would he'd come back in if he had lingering things sometimes with the flu people don't realize uh, you can have your heart problems and muscle problems and things from the virus and uh, so it was good to see him back out there and he was useful this game. Uh, Caldwell was back, it had, was fine. We just had worried because we didn't see him a lot in the second half, and then he posted some cryptic <laughs> stuff on social media. Man, it just it sucks that you have to, like, read into this stuff, and, and Matt's called me out for being so nervous about every little injury <laughs> this year. But sometimes that's what happens, and we look back and that cryptic social media about bad days and blah, blah, blah. It turns out to be a thing. But yeah. uh, we did have an injury, though. Neither of those guys were injured, but Jalen Williams missed the whole game with a toe injury. And uh, yeah, what do you think about that?
1: Well, they did a good job keeping it. It must have not been anything bad uh, unless it happened after the, you know, not on the court since the game Saturday. Um, I'm guessing that this was a small thing that they just gave him the night off. They're getting ready for at St. Louis and Murray State before getting into SEC play. You obviously don't want to risk, re, you know, aggravating anything worse. Obviously, if he misses the St. Louis game, then your antennas go up. Um, he was in street clothes. He was with the team, just not eligible. And it was, if you're a lineup nerd like me, um, first time all year, okay, what do we do? when Jabari goes to the bench and Jalen Williams isn't available. And Chris Moore is the third power forward, which is a good role for him, especially if Leor Berman's going to be playing some wing minutes and kind of splitting time with him there. So I thought that was a good use for him, especially against a smaller team like this. Uh, I would be curious if that would happen against like Kentucky, I kind of doubt it, but hopefully we never have to find out.
0: We see, uh, I tried to watch Zep Jasper the whole time, and he hit some big threes. And uh, another thing, some of these when you start getting a good team like this, uh, you start getting some interesting stats. And they have a big one for uh, for uh, Jabari Smith. They're comparing him to KD because he's averaging seventeen points a game and shooting over forty percent from three and some other stat that goes into that. So they can keep calling out this KD stat. So you kind of watch that and hope that in a game like this, he can keep that up. Or even really in a game like this, you were hoping he could go over that stat. So in another game, it kind of makes up for, but we'll see if he goes below that, like uh, stat they were trying to do since he only scored 13 this game. And the other one is Zep Jasper starting to get a lot of love, which is Matt's guy for sure. He's leading the nation in assets and dirt sorry, assists and turnover. Sorry. I do another thing in my career where has lots of assets. So uh, <laughs> assists to turnover ratio. He's leading the nation. So I tried to watch him really thoroughly this game, especially since Matt's always telling me to. And yeah, his defense is really good. I tried to watch to see like where his assists were coming from. I don't think he had. He only he had, had one over. today. Um, yeah, no turnovers though. So the ratio is still good to go. Yeah.
1: Like the thing with First of all, Zep, Zep just does basketball things like it, it, it doesn't always show up there. I would say, first of all, if you've ever coached or played any like assist to turnover ratio is one of my favorite stats. It actually tells you how often you are getting your team a bucket by sharing the ball, passing the ball versus how many times you're giving it to the other team. I'm looking at um, our list of players who played today. Uh, Katie Johnson had three turnovers Jabari Smith turnover Kessler turnover Cambridge turnover Wendell Green turnover Chris Moore two turnovers um, zero he's the only guy who played meaningful minutes with zero and he's got the ball in his hand all the time and, yeah and he's playing you know what 26 minutes tonight as much as anybody so just that and, and I've talked to every game uh, we, we win rebounding and we win turnovers every game so far. I mean, didn't almost in, every... We
0: didn't in the first half against... Uh, not in the first Ronaldo half. Battle. We corrected it. And that's a big... That was a big stat that it, part of the reason the game was so close because we were not winning the rebound battle, but it looks like at the end... We won, we won by 10. 50 over 42, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I just think that matters. Um, Zepp hit two big threes early in the game, like you said, when we were struggling to hit, to, to score. Um He's just going to... I'm just telling you, he's going to sneak up on these little moments because he's always going to be open. Like the way UNA was defending our our offensive actions, um, he could get a shot anytime he wanted because they're going to focus on Jabari. When Flanning comes back, they're going to focus on Flanning.
0: Um, I I noticed a lot uh, from watching Zepp and seeing people on the other side was how many times KD and Wendell gambled on the ball and didn't get it. It seemed like way more than usual this game. KD did a bunch of times and didn't get And You kind of forgive him a little bit because he's had so many great ones. Wendell did it several times and got yeah. way out of position and let them have open threes, and he doesn't do it very often. He, he, he did get a good steal on the lane at one point, but, man, he missed several of those, and Zep never seems to gamble, but, you know, everybody says he's great defense from watching. He looks great defense. defense. Uh, we just see the gambles more with so, KD.
1: Yeah, do you,
0: do you see the difference? I mean, I know
1: you do. I'm, I'm just using it. You see the difference between KD and Zepps defense after watching for ten games, right? Like, yeah, one is a lot more noticeable, and then one is just rock solid, consistent that film study like coaches love. And I think Wendell is actually ironically like positioned right in the middle of them, where he'll take chances, but he does a much better job of covering himself when he does. Um, I, I was most disappointed in times tonight where KD would go for that and then not bother to. Hustle and try to recover as as urgently as you should. And again, I, he has not done that all year, so I'm gonna reserve judgment. But um,
0: this, this will try to be a softball for you. But uh, I think Zep is a fifth year senior, right? He has no more eligibility, and is the one. It's either Wendell or Zep. One of those doesn't have any more eligibility, and the other one has two or three years. I think it's Zep uh, that doesn't have any more eligibility, and Wendell that has two or three years. But if you could choose which one, which one you choose in. Oh, do you, if I can only... do you think Wendell's defense can get better or do you think Zip's offense can get better, basically?
1: Oh, gosh, man. I, I hate to even have to choose because I really think both of their strengths are so important for this team. They're very different.
0: Uh, They're very different ones. The lockdown defender, he's been efficient, Zip has on offense. But Wendell is a, a star kind of guy that you think maybe a couple more years he could really do something.
1: We do uh, – Zepp has two years of eligibility. Really?
0: And I'm um, pretty sure Wendell has several, right? Wendell has three, I think. Yeah. Oh, that's great news, honestly. If, if Zepp has two more, are you sure about I see you're looking at an article there, but – Auburn Plainsman, don't doubt the source when he – Okay, committed. all right. There's been some sources in the Auburn world recently that have been doubted, so you never know. That's great uh, news, though. If we could bring back all three of these guards, that could be really big news.
1: Agreed. Um, uh, Wendell, Wendell has – Wendell has four
0: because last year didn't count. Wow. I that what a what a steal to get Wendell on this team, man. He can really grow a lot, I believe. He's he's really starting to show. We'll really see how he looks in SEC play because he's really starting to show that he cannot drive the ball. He's just not part of this game right now, even against smaller teams. Uh, he had a, a good play today where he stopped, got the guy in the air, and got the foul, kind of like Shreve Cooper did a lot last year. But it's gonna be tough in the SEC. And even and you can already tell, like he's shooting these long threes. But he's already starting – the defenders are getting up on that. They're not letting them have any room, and you can tell it's getting a little tougher out there for them.
1: Again, I think as, as thrilled as we are with Zepp, Wendell, KD, I think they've all been better in ways than we probably expected. I, I think – I still think if you're looking for concerns on this team, there were periods of this game where UNA just locked up our guards on the perimeter. Like there were possessions where Wendell could not shake – the guy guarding him no matter how many creative moves he tried and zepp's a little more conservative and he kind of can tell if he's not going to be able to you know get by he's going to
0: Zep Zep the ball off a little more on offense and yes. kind of sits back and lets the game come to him he does point guard and so you end up having kd and wendell actually trying to make stir the pot a little more than zepp does even though he brought the ball and, and and you need
1: both i want to make that clear like Zepp is playing the role on this roster that he needs to play, and he's smart enough. He's, he's the most experienced college basketball player we have on this team, uh, I guess with Jalen and um, Flanagan.
0: But, I, I, I think the biggest weakness we show tonight is our lack of being able to drive the ball. Even yep. with Jabari, he, I thought for sure he'd be able to take it to the hoop, but sometimes we kind of had to figure out a way to work it to him down there because he could not seem to get kind of a drive going into the basket. Maybe that's on everybody else for not being able to pass it to him on the way in. But I hope, we hope that gets made up with, with Flanagan. I feel like that's really his specialty is slashing. And I think that's going to be a big deal. But you just wonder how long it takes him to get in. And you don't want to, like, waste any time and lose any early games waiting for him to get healthy again. I think we're coming to the end here. Matt, uh, any final thoughts?
1: You know, it's it's good to win by 26 um, and almost cover the spread when you play bad. Um, so that that's encouraging, 9-1. Um, really big opportunity now for going at St. Louis. I know you hate these road games against dangerous G5 teams, um, eight o'clock night games, Saturday night.
0: It, 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 it'll probably ultimately pay off when you see a team like LSU that's, that's doing very well this year, but they haven't played the away game all year. They played like one neutral, I believe, against Georgia Tech last weekend. And I just go good and confident, even if they, I mean, they're playing great that they're going to come into Auburn arena and they're going to have to deal with that in their very first game. I think that's going to be a great advantage to us. So a lot of other teams are not going to have that same advantage when we go away because we'll have had at least two games against it. Agreed. Uh, be- I,
1: go, I was just going to say, um, you know, we've mentioned before we're going to do, we're getting close to conference play, really excited. I know um, I'm uh, looking forward to hopefully one or two people that I think we'll be able to chat with, um, not, not just Jackson, but some other people as well. And I think everybody's really getting excited. So thanks everybody for listening. I know our um,
0: downloads are going up and people are, you know, I we're, think we're we growing a, a lot faster than we thought we'd grow, man. We like, I, I think I've said at the end of each one of these that we just wanted to do this for fun with our friends listening or us on a phone call recording for ourselves or whatever, but people are sitting really into it. I think it's because this team's great this year. and We're really going to catch lightning in a bottle with covering every game this year. If you have anybody you want on the podcast, if you know any experts, if you're friends with anybody, you're related to anybody that might would be interested in coming on the podcast and giving us some information we don't already know, that'd be great. We're hoping to have a couple people on to tell us what they think about the SEC coming up between uh, the St. Louis game and the LSU game, which I think there's another game there, Murray State, in there somewhere. But we're probably trying to record anywhere in there. I know the holidays get tough with uh, everybody doing everything, including me and Matt, hopefully doing some traveling. Uh, but – We're nine and one, War Eagle man. War Eagle man. Hey, let's
1: let's take care of business. Let's get in the top ten before SEC play. Let's get some respect. Oh yeah! All right, War Eagle.